Hello and welcome to The Lone Ranger from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. With the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty Ohio silver, the Lone Ranger. companion Toto, the daring and resourceful masked rider of the plains led the fight for law and order in the early western United States. Nowhere in the pages of history can one find a greater champion of justice. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. From out of the past come the thundering hoofbeats of the great horse Silver. The Lone Ranger rides again. Come on, Silver. Let's go, people. This is a story of three Christmas trees that figured in the life of Eric Flint. The first was in a small, poorly furnished room in Omaha. Eric was 25 years old and happy with his bride of two weeks. Christmas Eve, Eric. Our first Christmas together. And my first Christmas tree. Oh, no, Eric. Not really. It's true, Abby. You mean to say you never had a Christmas tree? Not even when you were a child? Uh, I told you about my childhood. It wasn't an easy one. An orphan, you know. Well, that's behind you now. Let's look to the future. Why, in just a month, you'll be starting for the West. And one year from now... Oh, Abby, I have a feeling that the West is going to be good to us. I wish I might go with you. Oh, not right away, dear. It'd be better if you stay here where you have friends until I get established. But you'll send for me soon, won't you? Why, of course. And you'll write often. I'll write you, too. I'll write every day. Oh, 
But I'll not know where to send the letters. You hold the letters until I find a place to settle. I do hope it will be soon. Don't you worry, dear. By next Christmas, we'll be together in the West. We'll have a new home and a new life. That was Eric's first Christmas tree. During the year that followed, Eric met hardships and discouragement. There was little he could write that was hopeful. He moved restlessly from place to place, never stopping long. After long months, he came to Osage and found work to his liking. He decided to send for his wife. It was Christmas Eve when he wrote the letter. Dear Abigail, I am writing by the light of candles on a Christmas tree. It's a small tree in my bedroom. I have it because it takes me back to last year when I was with you. I've decided to settle here in Osage. I've secured a position in the bank. I think I can make it a career. You were going to write me every day and hold the letters until I gave you an address. Please send them now. And pray join your devoted husband soon so we may build our home together. That was Eric's second Christmas tree. There was no reply to Eric's letter. He wrote repeatedly and, hearing nothing, finally concluded that long absence had killed Abigail's love. He devoted all his time and energy to work in the bank, and his advancement was rapid. He had no friends and wanted none. He drove hard bargains and was known for his shrewd deals. When the banker died, he bought the business and became more heartless and unbending than ever. Inwardly, he resented the happy homes of other men, and he hated Christmas, which had become a symbol of the hopes and happiness he had lost. In ten years, he became one of the wealthiest men in the community and one of the most despised. It was early on the night before Christmas when he entered the rear door of his office with two men. All right, sit down over there. Cooper, you and Butch are considered good gunmen. None better. I'm hiring both of you as bodyguards. <laughs> you afraid someone you swindle will gun you? I've never swindled anyone in my life. Or well, maybe you stayed within the law, but you've made some mighty sharp deals. I'm a good businessman, that's all. Maybe it's good business to drive folks out of their homes so you can add dollars to your bankroll. But I don't know. Are all good businessmen afraid of being shot? It's only that a masked man's looking for me. Masked man? Butch brought word of him. I was in Warsaw when he came here making inquiries. You didn't tell him where to find me, did you, Butch? No. Well, he'll find you sooner or later. Someone you outshopped in the past? I don't know who he is. He told you, Cooper. The kid who wears a mask. Also, two guns tied low. I want one or the other of you near me at all times. Get your hand. Oh, it's only him. Mr. Flint. Hammond, what do you mean by busting into my office like this? Why, well, I, I didn't bust in, Mr. Flint. All right, get out. I'm busy. I've got to see you on business. Then see me in the morning during business hours. Tomorrow? Or tomorrow's Christmas. What of it? And uh, anyway, that'll be too late to talk about what I have in mind. I owe you some money. Your mortgage is due next week, first of the year. Yes, sir. I won't be able to pay it, Mr. Flint. You know the alternative. Yes, sir. You take over my house. That's why I'm here. If you expect more time... Oh, I, I know better than to ask for that. I didn't come to ask for an extension. And what do you want? Well, you know very well that my place is worth three times as much as I owe you. I always get good collateral on a loan. Well, I figured that maybe you'd let me have just $20 more. I want to buy my boy some things for Christmas. Christmas presents. He's 
Just a little critter. He thinks Santa Claus will sure enough come to visit our house tonight. He's too young to know that he... He must learn that life is full of disappointments. The sooner he learns it, the better. The store will be open late, Mr. Flint. If you could just let me have ten dollars... No. Just a couple of... It's not the amount of the cash. It's the principle that's involved. Now, you'll have to excuse me. I'm busy. I... All right, Mr. Flint. I guess I'll have to tell my boy that... I... Cash out of my pocket. Well, I'd have done so, but I figured the boss wouldn't like it. And you're quite right. I have no time for sentiment. It appears with business. Hey, look at the window. A face. He's mad. Yes, man. Get him. Get him. There he goes. Around the corner of the building. Get your horses. Get after him. Bring him back dead or alive. Come on, Cooper. We'll see why that critter was waiting for the boss. will be here before I wake up. Hi, son. Oh, oh Dave, I, I didn't hear you come in. Damn! Gosh, I'm glad you got home before I went to sleep. So am I, son. I want to talk to you. Dave, you, you saw him? No luck, Mary. Oh, dear. What are you talking about, Dad? We've got to have a little talk. Man to man, just the two of us. You go to the other room, huh, Mary? Dad is... Is something wrong? No, nothing particular. You see, son, we were planning to move out of here next week. I know that. Where are we moving? Well, uh, you, you wouldn't know the place. But the point I was getting to, son, was that being as we're leaving, maybe it'll be better if Santa Claus sort of waits and brings you the things you want after we get settled. But I've asked for special things for moving. Hmm? Sure. I wanted him to fetch Mom some new boots and uh, you a gum to make up for the one you sold. You need it, Dad. Didn't you ask for something for yourself? <laughs> sure. I asked for a knife. Uh, I see. And Santa Claus will fetch it, too. I know he will. Uh, look, son, this is sort of a bad year. You know how hard up everyone is. Oh, sure. There are lots of folks who are worse off than we are. Other parts of the country... Old Santa has a pretty big job taking care of them all. Why? Well, he can only cover so much ground. He has to sort of forget some folks to take care of the others. But why? He's a spirit, isn't he? I, I wanted you to sort of understand it, Donnie, because he might have to skip over this community altogether. I didn't want you to be disappointed. Oh, you're fooling me. So I'll be more surprised when I see that Christmas tree he's going to bring. And the things for you and Mom and, and the knife for me. But, son... He'll be here. You just wait and see. All right, boy. Good night. Good night, Dad. 
What did you tell him, Dave? Mary. Oh, what is it, Dave? Oh, that look on your face. I... I tried to tell him that Santa Claus wouldn't ever find people as far out... as far from everything as we... as we are. But the faith... the faith of that child, Mary. What are you going to do? I'm going to have another talk with Eric Flint. Flint's bodyguards rode hard in pursuit of the masked man, but were quickly outdistanced. After a couple of miles, they gave up the chase and turned their tired horses back toward town. As they halted and dismounted behind the bank, they little suspected that in their absence, Dave Hammond had returned and was with Eric Flint for the second time in less than an hour. The gunman opened the door and found themselves staring into the muzzle of a heavy pistol. Step right in. Hey, what? But keep your hands at shoulder level. Hey, I told you I wanted one of you to be with me at all times. Now look what's happened. Great day. Get that door closed with your heel. I'll draw your gun slowly. Drop him to the floor. You better do as he says. He's out of his mind. Right. I'll kick him toward me. Boss, how'd this happen? On him and get you roped like this. He came in while you were gone. Threatened me with a club while he took the gun out of my desk. What is it, Hammond? A sticker? Call it what you want. My son's in bed right now dreaming about Christmas. He's not going to be disappointed. You think that justifies the robbery? I'm taking only the cash you critters have in your pockets up to $20. That's all I'm taking. You're getting my house, Flint. That'll more than make up for what I'm doing. <laughs> How do you expect to get away with anything like this? Don't you know what'll happen as soon as you lower that gun? I'll get away with this until after Christmas. After that, I don't care what happens. Now, you two face the wall and get your wrists behind your back. After I've got your rope, we're going for a walk. A walk? I'm taking you to an old shack I know of. You'll stay there rope until the day after tomorrow. Then what? And I'll be leaving town. I'll send someone to turn you loose. You just wait, Hammond. Just wait, that's all. I'll see you pay for this if it's the last thing I do. And I'm going to give Donnie a Christmas tree and presents... If it's the last thing I do. The curtain falls on the first act of our Lone Ranger adventure. Before the next exciting scenes, please permit us to pause for just a few moments. Continue. 
After off-distancing the gunman who had been hired to guard Eric Flint, the Lone Ranger rode in a wide circle and returned to the vicinity of Osage. He went to a woods at the edge of town where Tonto was waiting at a former campsite. The Indian had built a lean-to of evergreens to serve as a shelter from the wind. When I received your message that Eric Flint was in Osage, I came from Washoe as quickly as possible. Uh, you see Flint? Yes, I saw him, Tonto, but I didn't speak to him. There was a light in his office, so I looked through the window. A fella come to town tell Flint you look for him. Oh? Did he say why I was looking for him? No. No, Flint planned to hire bodyguard. <laughs> that accounts for the way those men came after me. Well, you get good look at Flint? More than that, Tonto. His office window was open just enough so I could hear what was going on. Oh. He's just as bitter as a man can be. Cruel and hard. He, he was talking to a man named Hammond who wanted to give his boy a Christmas present. Hammond nearly saw me when he left the office. Plenty of people in town owe Flint money. And he's going to collect every penny, no matter how ruthless he has to mm, be. That's right. Everyone hates Flint. Oh, he's not to be hated, Toto. He's to be pitied. He's lost his sense of values and his sense of fair play. And he's lost more than that. He's lost practically everything that makes life worthwhile. Silver's uneasy. Oh. Maybe someone come this way. Yes, I see them, four men. Ah, and not come here, then turn south. Stay here with the horses, Tonto. I'm going to dodge through the trees and get closer. The man who's walking behind looks like Hammond, and one of the men ahead of him could be Eric Flint. Remaining out of sight behind big trees, the Lone Ranger kept pace with the three men whose hands were tied, and Hammond walking behind them holding a gun. Two cents, I'd take a chance and turn on you, Hammond. You hadn't better. I've never shot a man, but tonight I'm ready to go all out. Hammond, you're a thief. A common thief, that's what you are. I don't feel like one. The $20 I took from your pockets added to what I borrowed from you is just a fraction of what my house and property is worth. A common thief. There's the shack. Open the door and go in. Now listen to me, Hammond. Let's talk this over. Never mind the talk. You want all my property for practically nothing. And you can have it. But my boy's going to get a Christmas present. And we're pulling out of here. You better drop that gun. There he is in the doorway. His mask. Butch Cooper, look at him. Moonlight shows that mask. I said drop the gun, Hammond. He's the one we saw at the window. I've dropped my gun. Now what? I've been looking for Flint for a long time. Why were you looking for me? I had something to tell you, Flint. But that can wait. I have new plans. Hammond, I'm going to tie you and leave you here with the gunman. Quickly and deftly, the Lone Ranger made sure that Hammond and Flint's bodyguards were tightly bound. Then he hurried Flint to the camp where Tonto waited and gave the Indian a few instructions. And stand guard until I return to the shack. Ah, he's savvy. Oh, and one thing before you go, Tonto. While you were in town, did you hear of men who were in debt to Eric? Oh, me hear of plenty. Give me some of their names. 
The masked man made a mental note of several names, then lifted Flint to the back of Silver and, riding double, guided the great white horse at a slow walk toward town. Where are you going to take me to kill me? I'm not going to kill you, Flint. Listen, whoever you are, mister. I'll make a deal with you. I have money, plenty of money. You held me jail Hammond for what he did, and then... You'd uh, throw him into jail tonight? I certainly would. But it's Christmas Eve. Humbug. It may mean more to you in an hour. Oh, uh, look at those houses. Almost every one is brightly lighted. A lot of people in those houses owe you money, don't they? What of it? Flint, that sometime during your life you must have heard the story of Scrooge. You're a lot like him. He said Christmas was humbug, and I agree. He was visited by the spirits of Christmas. They did a lot for him, poppycock. Who lives in that White House straight ahead? Why should I tell you? Tell me. All right, all right. Dan Dickerman. One of the names Tato gave me. You hold a mortgage on that house, don't you? Yes, and he'll never be able to repay me. Where you call on him. Monsieur. Happy sounds of laughter and gay voices could be heard from Dickerman's small house when the Lone Ranger halted Silver and dismounted. Flint's hands were still tied and he had to be helped to the ground. Hear that, Flint? I hear it. They're going in there. I think you'll be due for a surprise. I don't know why the Dickerman family should feel so happy. They're going to lose their house in another week. They're happy because they're alive and well. They have each other. All right, we'll go inside. Can't you see my hands are tied? He's holding a gun on me. This man is my prisoner. Dickerman, you signed an agreement with him, didn't you? Uh, Yes, sir, but who are you and why are you masked? Are you going to be able to repay that money? Uh, No, but the mortgage isn't due yet. Suppose I told you that your contract with Eric Flint was illegal. Illegal? Suppose Eric Flint could be put into jail for the way he's treated a number of people. That's not true. You can't put me in jail. Every paper I've ever signed is legal and binding. Be quiet, Flint. Dickerman, we can't put Flint in jail without a complaining witness. Will you come with me at once and ride to the county seat? The county seat? Now? If we started right away, we could be there by noon tomorrow. We'll take Flint with us. But this is Christmas Eve. And tomorrow is Christmas. Christmas means nothing to Eric Flint. I wouldn't put any man in jail on Christmas Day. Not even Eric Flint. Thanks for that, Dickerman. You're, you're thanking me? Yes, and it's not sarcasm. I mean it. The Lone Ranger took Flint to another humble home where another man was trying to keep the spirit of Christmas for his children. Like Dickerman, Sam Blake was indebted to the banker. This might be a chance for you to take advantage of a situation, Blake. I can't put a man in jail on Christmas Day. I'd hate myself forever if I'd done a trick like that. Why, it'd be violating all the rules of peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. No, sorry. You'll have to get someone else. And that shouldn't be hard. Most half the folks around here owe cash to Banker Flint. As the evening advanced, the masked man took Flint to other homes. And in every one, the answer was the same. Jail a man on Christmas Day? Not me. Flint's manner was changing. 
After leaving the last house, he said to the Lone Ranger, I suppose I could get back my money by extending all those mortgages. Do you mean that, Flint? Well, I... Of course, Christmas doesn't mean a thing to me. I can't understand it. Every one of those men has cause to hate me. Everyone would profit by putting me in jail. Not one of them would do it. Not on Christmas. How much longer are you going to drag me around like this from one house to another? Maybe we've gone far enough. Let's return to that cabin in the woods. You'll have to help me mount again. These ropes in my hands make it kind of awkward. I'll remove the ropes. When I heard a masked man was looking for me, I thought... Well, no matter what I thought, why were you looking for me? I had good news for you, Flint. But when I learned the sort of man you were, I didn't think you were ready to hear that good news. Good news? <laughs> it's about a girl you left in Omaha. What's that? A girl? Omaha? Yes. The girl you married. Abigail. My wife. If you know anything about her in the name of goodness, tell me. Do you hear me? Tell me what you know of Abigail. I'll tell you about her while we're riding back to Hammond. The evening had been a long one, filled with worry for Mrs. Hammond. The hours had dragged since her husband had left the house to call on Eric Flint. It was nearly midnight when she heard footsteps outside. She hurried to the door and opened it. Good day. Good day, where have you been? It's a long story, Mary. Wait till you hear about Eric Flint. What did you do to him? Well, it wasn't me. It was a masked man. Let me close the door. No, no, leave it open. You'll know why in just a minute. Mary, years ago, Eric Flint sent for his wife to come and join him. But he never heard from her. That's what made him so so bitter. He wrote a lot of letters and she never answered. Oh. The fact is, his wife replied in the very first letter, but he never got it. You see, there's another town called Osage. She went there and no one knew about Eric Flint. Her money ran out and she just stayed there and worked. She's been there ever since. Oh, he's alive. But, Dave, how do you know all this? A masked man brought the news. And he brought Flint a whole packet of letters his wife had written. And never mailed because she didn't know where to send them. A masked man? Well, how did he know? He heard about Abigail Flint and how she'd come west looking for her husband. He remembered the name, Abigail Flint. It was on a letter in the mail pouch that had been tossed aside by stage thieves years ago. Oh, so we set out to find Eric Flint for the woman. Yes. That's Eric Flint right now. I've never recognized his voice. He's not happy. There he is. Why, it's a tree. A Christmas tree, ma'am. Oh, be careful, Bush. He's a through the doorway. Don't want to break off any of those branches. Howdy, Mrs. Hammond. This is for your young one. Good evening, Mr. Fleet. What's keeping Cooper so long? Oh, he's coming. He's loaded down. Oh, I see him. Hurry up there, Cooper. We've got to get those toys and clothes spread out. It's just a couple of minutes to Christmas. You're loading me down, Mr. Mr. Flynn, all, all these Almost had to pull a gun on Jake to get him to open up his store. Look, look, Mary, a knife, yes. shoes, a wooden gun, a woolen shirt. Uh, all these for Doc? Uh, there's lots more in those packages, Mary. And some stuff for you and Dave as well. Hey, you two will have to hang the trimmings on the tree and fix the candles. I've got a million things to do. I've got to get a wagon and a strong team and load her down with Christmas presents for my wife. Dave told me about Eric. Oh, I'm so glad. You two, Butch and Cooper, what are you standing around for? We're just getting our breath, Bob. Never mind your breath. You've got some other presents to deliver. Now get back to the store and get those things for Dickerman and Blake and all the others. Yes, sir. Uh, wait, wait a minute. 
minutes ahead. Tell them that I've left town. I'm going to meet my wife. And when I get back, we'll talk about renewing all those mortgages for another year, two years, or for as long as it takes. We'll tell them, boss. And tell them all a Merry Christmas. A Merry Christmas from me. If you don't mind me saying so, boss, those folks will sure wonder what's got into you. Well, tell them. Tell them what got into me. Tell them it's the Christmas spirit. Tell them Eric Flint has got the knack of Christmas. And that was Eric Flint's third Christmas tree. Charles D. Livingston. Tonight's drama was written by Fran Stryker. The part of the Lone Ranger is played by Brace Beamer. (laughs) 